So I'm glad you stopped by the Arantia Radio podcast. I think it's going to be a very interesting time. We'll talk about Gen Zers, religion, faith in the modern world, and the need for more joy. This time up on the Arantia Radio podcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Have we ever done a general topics program on the Arantia Radio Podcast. I don't think we have, have we? Anyway, welcome. Uh, we want to spend a few minutes welcoming new listeners to the Arantia Radio Podcast. And some of this will appear on the Arantia Radio channel as well, which we've recently launched, which you can find on our website, which is net. And there we try to put as much content as we can. We've just been running some really exciting old tapes from Bill Sadler's lectures in Oklahoma back in the late 50s. And I have just been enjoying listening to them. They're just a looped, it's about 10 hours worth of audio that we've been playing. And if you haven't heard it, uh, we'll continue to do it for at least a couple more days. But if you just go to our website, which is net, that's where you'll find articles. You'll find our radio channel, Urantia Book Radio, which is a live feed channel. It's a little different from a podcast. A podcast is kind of like Netflix. You're listening to this podcast because uh, you have found it or you follow it. So every time I update a new episode, it it gets pulled into your smartphone or whatever device you're listening to, right? Uh, and the streaming is a continuous audio where it goes. And it's kind of cool because you can listen to it anytime and you get to hear longer sets, so it's just continuous. You can kind of have it on in the background without having to worry about it stopping or starting or anything. So it's real-time radio. And uh, and Bill, Bill Sadler, I want to just explain it, because Bill, uh, as I got to think about it, he was very instrumental in helping his father get together the get-togethers they used to have at the Bill, at the Sadlers back in the early 20s. I think it was like 1925. And this was about the time that Dr. William Sadler, Bill's father, was treating the subject that we know now as the sleeping subject, the one with whom the communications ensued between the student visitors and Bill Sadler, his wife, Lena, Bill Sadler Jr. And then we assume it's Wilfred Kellogg and his wife, who were good friends of the Sadlers at that time. Wilfred being the nephew of the man who invented Kellogg's cereal. And not that that's significant, but it's interesting. Uh, so Bill Sadler was called by his father. Bill had gone off to serve in World War I. And upon his return, when things settled, and they had settled in their new residence, which is still at Diversity Parkway, where the foundation is now currently located. It has always been. But the uh, son was asked, "Hey, could let's let's get a get together. Why don't we have a Sunday 
social gathering. We'll get all the people from the community that we are our business relations with, experts, farmers, general general folk, and let's get them all together and we can talk about the things that are going on. Now, back in the 20s, obviously, we didn't have TV and radio was brand new. So people often got together for social occasions. So Bill got this together and made it happen for his father. Um, Bill also was a, a part of the process with the contact commission. And he was part of that initial group of people who would read the papers. And then the revelators would resubmit them with some annotations and changes based on the reactions of the the people that were involved in the study groups. That's the brief history. And Bill was a big part of that. So I admire the fact that here is Bill, who's very well versed in the Arantia book. More so than anybody, really equal to that of his parents and his mother had died 10 years previous and uh, William Sadler had settled and uh, and this is about the time the Arantia book was published that he started going on these tours and he ended up in the greater I think it's called the greater Urantia Society of Oklahoma I'm, I'm not sure but anyway those are the tapes and we're playing them and he goes off he, Bill explains a lot about the Arantia book. He goes over a lot of different subject matter in these hours and hours of, of lectures that were taken over a period of time. And it's also fascinating to hear him interact with some of the people that were part of the group that l- knew very little about the Arantia book. The book had only been in publication for about four years by, by this point. So, and also the Arantia book society of Oklahoma was one of the first societies. So it was appropriate for Bill Sadler to go there and, and talk to the p- folks and sort of explain the different concepts of the Arantia book, which I found to be extremely helpful, highly insightful. So I hope that you'll take some time um, over the next few days, if you haven't done so, if you haven't checked it out, the Arantia book radio channel, which is streaming live, in the evenings, after 6 p.m. is usually when I have the channel loaded up and ready to go with content. So every night, you can go to the website, net and you'll see the player, and you can bookmark it. Uh, just save it as a, a home address on your iPhone or your smartphone or on your tablet or your desktop. Just save it as a, as a favorites, and you can easily find it. And it's easy to find on your... Uh, smartphone as well. So anyway, want to thank you also and make a couple of other points. Uh, Great thought for the day, thought to ponder today from the Arantia book comes from paper 28. It says service, more service, increased service, difficult service, adventurous service, and at last divine and perfect service is the goal of time and the destination of space. Uh, and boy, is that true? Uh, you know, today I was reading about the fact that older people are being sought out more for uh, employment. People are wanting to hire older employ uh, uh, people because the younger people just don't want to work, or they don't want to put in the time, or they they're not reliable. And so I thought it was interesting that you have a society of young people now, particularly, I guess they call them the Gen Zs. 
and the Gen Zs are young people that were born after 2001, I think it is. So that would be pretty much everybody in the age age group of 20 to 30 years old. And they are different from any other group because, number one, they've never existed without all the social media, cell phones. And um, they just think and behave differently. There's a certain sense of entitlement that I find with young people. And they're ultra-sensitive. Uh, and they seem to lack a a sense of humor rooted in uh, self-deprecation. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of the great comedians are funny because they make some fun of themselves. A lot of us might remember when we watched Johnny Carson. And he would goof up or he would mess up. And he would make fun of himself. And that we all liked. And, and there's a part of the Arantia book. I believe it's in the Celestial Artisan section where it talks about the the importance of uh, of joy and and getting away. I have to probably look it up here. I think, as a matter of fact, let me pull a section, see if I can pull out a nugget from the Celestial Artisans to kind of illustrate my point. And so I was able to find something here, uh, paper 48, 4, section 1, talking about joyful mirth. Joyful mirth and the smile equivalent are as universal as music. There is a moral and a spiritual equivalent of mirth and laughter. The ascendant life is, a, is about equally divided between work and play, freedom from assignment. Celestial relaxation and superhuman humor are quite different from their human analogs, but we all actually indulge in a form of both, and they re- really accomplish for us in our state just about what ideal humor is is able to do for you on your rancha. The Marancha companions are skillful play mo- uh, sponsors and they are most able, ably supported by the reversion directors. Uh, a little bit further, it says, in discussing spirit humor, first, let me tell you what it is not. Spirit jest is never tinged with the accentuation of misfortunes of the weak and erring. Neither is it ever blasphemous of the righteousness of glory of divinity. Our humor embraces three general levels of appreciation. Reminiscent jests, quips, growing out of the memories of past episodes and one's experience of combat, struggle, and sometimes fearfulness, and oftentimes foolish and childish anxiety. To us, this phase of humor derives from the deep-seated and abiding ability to draw upon the past for memory material. And with which pleasantly to flavor and otherwise lighten the heavy loads of the present. Number two, current humor. The senselessness of much that so often causes us serious concern. The joy of discovering the unimportance of much of our serious personal anxiety. We are most appreciative of this phase of humor when we are best able to discount the anxieties of the present in favor of the certainty, uh, certainties of the future. And then there's prophetic joy, number three. It will per- perhaps be difficult for mortals to envisage this phase of humor, but we do get a peculiar satisfaction out of the assurance that all things work together for good, for the spirit and Marantians as well as mortals. This aspect of celestial humor grows out of our faith in the loving over care of our superiors 
and in the divine stability of our supreme directors. So they have humor in heaven, don't they? They laugh, they laugh at themselves, they have mirth. Uh, and there's an equal distribution between work and play. And the play is very intelligently directed. And it's good to know that because, you know, we all need that humor. We need it in our lower stages, right? I mean, today, I know that there's so much to grab our attention that is not good. It's serious. We have real problems to, to solve, really. We have real problems to solve right now. But sometimes you have to take a break, right? And And so what I was talking about young people, much of their anxiety I believe is directly attached to uncertainty. They don't know what's going to happen. They don't know what their life holds. They've been told that the earth is dying. They're told that the reason for existence is unclear and temporal. Uh, they're discouraged from entertaining any ideas of religion. Really? I mean, that's where the nuns come from. You've heard of the nuns. This is that group of people that are not associated with any religion. They probably don't go to church. They may have been brought up in a religious environment, but they have chosen a more scientific approach, materialistic approach, secular approach to living. And then the, the extremes are people who have completely branched off from any kind of talk of cosmic reality or truth. Uh, and they have just become completely... They've developed their own sort of cultish behavior. The religion of the self is what I call it. The religion of the self, which is a reality that is subjective. You know, you hear people talk about their truth, the looking for their truth. And that's sort of loosely tied to this idea that there is no real <clears throat> truth. There is only the truth that you create. <clears throat> and by the way, that was Lucifer's uh, claim as well. Uh, that the universe was inherently alive and we were inherently resurrected and we inherently advanced. Um, but I, I was redesigning the website and I, if you look at the UrantiaRadio.net website now, it's pretty bland on the, on the header. Uh, and I, I did that by, by design. I wanted it to be simple. And I thought about putting something up there that address the nuns. I, I'm saying, you know, what is the Urantia book? Would it have any appeal to the nuns? The Urantia book has a lot of appeal to people who are rooted in Christian teachings or Judaic Christian teachings, but for whatever personal reason, they have not stayed with, with the church or they, and so the Urantia book is very appealing to people like that. The Urantia book is very appealing to atheists who have looked their entire life and they've never found anything that has this much substance. And so they warmly recognize, they rediscovered the importance of the relationship with deity. And I think that people, and we're taught that everybody has a spirit in them. Everybody has a, a spirit fragment of the father in them. How do we tap that? How do we get young people to tap into that? How, how can we, get them to think about that, their eternal spirit. Is there a scientific approach? 
Uh, can we use data to show that people who have faith or who pray or who meditate have a better outlook on life? Is that something that we could use as a way of saying to the nuns, hey, come over here. Look at what we got. We got this book. We want you to read it. Start with pap paper of 250 and see what it does for you. No pressure. But it might it might get you out of that slump. It might it might get you to revisit the idea that, that life is exciting. What is it? Life is service. More service, adventurous service, spiritual service. <clears throat> and and it's the wheat and the chaff because you know, God wants us to be service oriented, and you're not gonna get service oriented from people who are not interested in service. They're only interested in comfort or safety or so I, so for the nuns, I do this because I want to, there's too many people right now that are suffering from mental health issues to ignore it. Even every mass shooting that I've seen in the last five, 10 years is all directly rooted to some sort of mental instability. <clears throat> We've lost our equilibrium. Even humor today in, in the country, in the world, in our culture is less humorous because everybody's so sensitive about being offended all the time. And we choose our words much more carefully and we're guarded. And it's a shame because that humor could let off the steam of that anxiety. As the <clears throat> revelators tell us, humor is important. Humor is important to life. There has to be a balance. Much of our own anxieties are based on fear, the fear of the unknown. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. The need for more mirth, I guess. We need more mirth. Uh, and also just a, a general welcome to people who may have just stopped in and they're not familiar with the Arantia book. Um, did I share with you this? This was so interesting. I think I put it up on my website. It's one of the articles. I'll go to it right now. Uh, are you familiar with chat AI or artificial intelligence? Well, basically, it's it's the computer on steroids, really. It's just Google search on steroids. You can, you can uh, type in a search or you can request uh, chat AI to spit out information on anything you want. Just like I said, it's kind of like Google wrapped into Wikipedia. And the other day I had some time and I said, you know, let me ask the AI what it says about the Arantia book. Here it is, the article. It says, over the weekend, I downloaded ChatGPT AI. It is like downloading Google Chrome and operates much the same way. You tell it what you want to know, and it will scour the World Wide Web and spit out an answer depending on how much you want to know about a certain subject. So, for example, I wanted to see what AI would have to say about the Arantia book based on what information is out there on the Internet. So I wrote... <clears throat> Describe the Arantia book. That's all I said. Just typed it in. And here's what it spit back. The Arantia book is a spiritual and philosophical text that claims to have been authored by celestial beings and compiled by human receivers. The book contains over 2,000 pages of teachings and is divided into four parts of the central and super universes, the local universe, the history of Urantia, Earth, and the life and teachings of Jesus. 
The Urantia book presents a comprehensive cosmology that includes the nature of God, the structure of the universe, the origin and destiny of humanity, and the teachings of various spiritual leaders throughout history. It also delves into topics such as the nature of reality, the purpose of life, and the afterlife. The book has been controversial since its publication in 1955, with some people viewing it as a work of religious revelation, while others dismiss it as a work of fiction. The Arantia book has gained a following over the years with study groups and organizations dedicated to its teachings. And then it concludes with, It is important to note that the Arantia book is not affiliated with any particular religion or denomination and does not seek to replace any religious text or tradition, but rather it offers a unique perspective on spiritual and philosophical matters and encourages individuals to seek their own personal understanding and relationship with God. You know, if you could slap that on a sticker, I think that's pretty pretty neat. I think it's it's a great summation. Uh, it probably was lifted from uh, something that somebody wrote, maybe something, who knows where it came from. But that's what spit out. And so that tells me that out there uh, in the Internet universe that the uh, the report is good. Humanity seems to like the book. Or at least whoever put that information is favorable to it. So I think that would have, have appeal to nuns. I think young people today looking for something that they can grab onto and will carry them through life and give them that anchor that they need. If they could, if they could find something that says, "Hey, maybe this is true," this would this would make everything else bearable. If I knew there was meaning, you know, I'll leave you with this, and this is something that I sort of gathered from listening to Bill Sadler. You know, the whole belief system in God has to be a very natural process. There never needs to be anything supernatural about it, really. Believing in God, believing in the afterlife should be as natural as believing I can go to the store and buy an apple. It's a miracle that that apple is there. Think about all the work that went into it. It was grown in Toppenish, Washington by a farmer who barely makes it. And he has to hire people to come and pick that apple. And that apple goes into a little pot and the pot goes on a truck truck goes to a factory that factory goes on a people come and they take the fruit and they put it in different trucks and those trucks all go to the different routes and then finally that one truck comes to my local market and they unload all those apples but to me it's just as simple as an apple even though the process is miraculous isn't it all of the time and effort that goes into the infrastructure and the the training all the different individuals that are involved, just like in the creation of the universe. The Arantia book describes for us all of the machinations, the different parts of the puzzle, the work of the people and the personalities involved. It, it is truly miraculous, but it, it's also just as simple as going and there's the apple or there's the banana or whatever it is, right? And so I guess the point is, is believing in in God should be a natural thing. It shouldn't be forced. It should be as natural as believing that you love your parents. 
And I think if, if we made religion more normal and less super normal and super fantastic and just another catchy uh, thing, I think it takes away from the naturalness. You know, and Jesus' life was, he was very natural about his interactions with people. In the last segment when we talked about as he passed by, that's the focus is that his religious faith was simply a part of his personality. It wasn't something separate. It wasn't something that he did on Sunday. It was a part of his everyday life. His relationship with God was an everyday reality, not just a special day, not just Easter, not just Christmas. And that's where I like to be. And I hope that that resonates with you as well, because I think that we all could use a little normalcy in the world today. Um, we're going to be around for a long, long time. That is for sure. We, we know from the Arantia book that life is about billions of years, not just one short lifetime on earth. It's billions and billions of years, as Carl Sagan would say. Billions and billions. Till next time, thank you so much for stopping by. We'll lead, lead out with this great song that sort of accentuates what I've been trying to say. Till next time, thanks for stopping by. Your Rancher Radio Podcast. Thank you.